a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and as we mentioned, uh, part of the benefit of having the extended 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday slot is we get to do what Einstein said. Remember, Einstein said that it wasn't that he was smarter. It was that he was willing to stay with a question longer. And sometimes we we just rush through things so quickly that uh, we don't really get a chance to, to dig a little deeper and to challenge some of our thinking. And one of the people that I always look to, one of my inside sources uh, that I always look to when I want to think different or deeper is Jay Evenson from the Deseret News. Uh, Jay is an award-winning opinion writer and is a just a masterful thinker. And he has done a lot of thinking and a lot of writing on ranked choice voting. And uh, so I wanted to get Jay to come way in today. Jay, how are you? I'm doing great, boy. Thank you. Awesome. Great to have you back on the show. And uh, let's start breaking down. We had Amy Fowler from the Salt Lake City Council on uh, talking about their exploration of it as a pilot uh, project. They'll be voting on that uh, coming up on April 20th. Uh, give us kind of your assessment. What do you what do you see as the pluses? What are some of the, the things that worry you as it relates to ranked choice voting? I actually think it's not a bad idea for a, uh, a nonpartisan um uh, municipal race such as Salt Lake City. My my worry is when you get it into a higher level in, into partisan races, and it has to do with the kind of the kind of uh, situation we have nationwide right now. We had a a poll in January. Forty one percent of Utahns think President Biden was not legitimately elected. And there's all kinds of worries about election fraud and, and, and a lack of trust in the system. And my problem with ranked choice voting is it adds a level of complication to that. Now, there was a there was a point last November on election night where we thought maybe Susan Collins of Maine was not going to get 50 percent of the vote um, in her reelection bid. And that's a, a worry to me because Maine has ranked choice voting for uh, congressional races. And so when you get into that, you run into the possibility that, well, maybe the Democrat has more second place votes than uh, than Susan had. And you could have had the Democrat winning. And I think it would there would be a lot of um, distrust in that kind of an outcome. And I think, you know, some people would have been pretty upset about it. And there have been there have been instances. Burlington, Vermont is a. A great case study. This happened in 2009 in the mayoral race there, which which was a partisan race. <clears throat> so you had a Republican. It was a four-way race. You had the Republican finishing first, and I believe he had like 33 percent of the vote. You had a third-party progressive finishing second at 29 percent, and then you had the other, other two. Well, uh, when you ended up counting up everybody's second-place votes, the progressive ended up the winner over the Republican – the problem was the Democrat was eliminated early on because he was not part of one of the, the top candidates. But if you had added his second place votes to his first place vote, he actually would have won the race. But he was eliminated early. And so oh. 
the people people of Burlington were so upset by that that they they voted to uh, rescind ranked choice voting shortly thereafter. So there there are some some problems that can come up. I, one of the virtues of it is that it leads to more civil elections because you're more likely to want to get your opponents second place votes so you're not going to want to be as nasty toward your opponent right. and that's that's one of the things that i think could be good although again when you're talking about a national race you have so many special interests involved that are out there doing negative campaigning i don't know that it would have that same mm. benefit on a national race yeah fa- fascinating stuff and uh, and and I tend to agree. I think on a nonpartisan, a municipal race, I, th- I think there are some advantages there where the the, the party politics are, are not going to be as extreme anyway, uh, and working that through. Uh, but then then you get to the next level question of okay, so if you do that at the uh, nonpartisan municipal level, but you don't do it on the rest, is that going to confuse voters? Uh, I was talking with with Amy Fowler from the council. I said my my biggest worry is we have confused voters or uncertain voters. Uh, and my experience uh, across the country is that when you have an uncertain voter uh, or a confused voter, they tend not to vote or they tend not to engage in the process. Well, ed- education is a, is a big um, part of this. The other advantage, though, here is that municipal races are on off years, and so you're not you don't have a ballot where part of it is a ranked choice and the other part of it isn't. That that certainly would be um, confusing. So I, again, I think when you're talking about municipal races, we we've had two cities in Utah that have done this on a pilot project, uh, Payson and Vineyard, and they've had pretty good a pretty good uh, track record uh, in doing that. So uh, there is an education uh, component involved. I don't think it would be quite that confusing, though. I think I think people will understand pretty quickly what's going on. Yeah. yeah you, you mentioned another really important point, uh, Jay, that I want to dig into just a little bit, and that is this idea of getting to a, a majority. Um, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, in some cases, that's not going to happen there. We obviously saw that just in a regular, just a regular old primary <laughs> uh, here in yes. the state of Utah in the governor's race last year. Uh, and that that one worries me more uh, because if you have someone who, you know, doesn't get to 50 percent, doesn't get a majority uh, or if you have so many candidates in there that somebody wins with, you know, 26 percent. Uh, do they really have a, a mandate? Is that really a, a call to action and to lead? Uh, and I think there are some things connected to our primary system that, uh, that again, the legislature did not choose to engage on this round uh, that I think still deserve a, a good hard look and some change. Democracy's dirty little secret is that it doesn't handle multi-candidate elections very well. And there are, <laughs> there are, there are a number of, of options. And you mentioned the governor's race. Yes, Spencer Cox. Uh, won that primary with 36 percent, but John Huntsman was at 35 percent. Who knows what would have happened if you've been able to count second-place votes for Greg Hughes and Thomas Wright. You might have had an entirely different outcome. But the question always is, how how big of a percentage of the total vote do you have to have to be legitimate? Is 36 percent legitimate, or should it be 45? Or does it have to be 50 plus one? We've had presidential races, and, yeah. and Bill Clinton comes to mind, where he didn't get 50 percent of the popular vote, and yet uh, he was considered a legitimate winner. So these are interesting questions, and a lot of states have runoff elections. We saw that in Georgia this year right. in the Senate. 
And uh, that comes with is fraught with some of its own problems. Uh, it, it's expensive. Very you go expensive. through a whole a whole new um, election uh, period, election cycle, and sometimes the turnout isn't as high for the runoff as it was for the regular election. So all kinds of questions to consider there. Yeah, and the Georgia race uh, races because they had two, which also made it incredibly unique. You had two Senate races uh, because of a retirement there. Uh, and neither one of them got to 50 in the primary or in the general, so they had to do these uh, runoffs. And then you uh, put that on the backdrop of all the other challenges of 2020. And not only was it confusing uh, and not only was it expensive you know, for the state to have to run those, uh, but it was also uh, just a, a real testament to how much money gets poured in. I mean, there was there was more money dumped into those two races in about a 30-day period than probably the entire elections of Utah, Colorado, Nevada, and New Mexico combined. I mean, it was hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Good for uh, good for news outlets who get the uh, advertising, but <laughs> maybe not so good for, for democracy. That's right. And that's what we always have to get back to is what is the best thing for democracy? Well, this is this is a, a really fascinating debate. It will be interesting to see what the Salt Lake City Council does if they decide to engage uh, in that pilot process uh, under this new law. Uh, and uh, how that will play out. And uh, again, as Amy Fowler pointed out, the the education process, the communication strategy really has to be strong uh, in order to make that whole thing work. Uh, Jay Evenson, always appreciate your perspective. Thanks for being our inside source here on Inside Sources. And uh, we'll have you back for another chat real soon. All right. Thank you, Boyd. All right. And that's Jay Evenson from the Deseret News. Uh, Jay uh, Jay knows where all the bodies are buried. Jay uh, knows all of the ins and outs of what's happening in the state of Utah. Uh, he is an award-winning writer and just a tremendous thinker. I have uh, enormous respect uh, for how he goes about his business, and uh, he's a great one to to continue to read and get insight from. Uh, and so, again, as we as we look at what we've done over these last two segments, uh, you can see that when you stay with a question just a little bit longer. Uh, you get different perspective. There's little nuances. And so we need to make sure we aren't getting to that point where we're just looking for instant certainty, where we just want to think we know what we know and be done with it uh, in all things, political, business, community, family, and personal. Stay with the question just a little bit longer. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.